Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Excited about this series that we're in called Open. And uh, as you know, the night that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the inn. They, they were forced to be in a stable. And the whole premise of this message is that our hearts are open for the King of Kings. And, uh, and so we're excited. Last, last week we talked about being open-hearted, and we talked about Joseph and uh, all the things that he had to wrestle through with the news that he got, that his, that his fiancée was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and we, we talked about that wrestling that took place. Today I want to talk about being open-minded to the journey, open-minded to the journey. And the reality is, is that in this room there are people that have had difficulties in your journey. You have, there's been stuff happen, there's been loss, there's been disappointment, there's been unmet expectations, and uh, this thing called life as we know it on this side of heaven is filled with things like that. That's what makes heaven sweet. And, uh, and so, just to ask you a question, and if you're like me, what happens when you have everything worked out, you, your course is set, the plans are fixed, Everything is right on schedule. See, that's my happy place right there. And then you know what happens. Life happens. Things happen, right? Your schedule is turned upside down. And, uh, and that's probably where most of us have been at at one time or another, right? And so I want to talk about Mary and Joseph today from that perspective. And we're going to, last week we looked at Matthew's version. We're going to look at Luke's version today, and we're going to talk about how they had to be open-minded for the unwanted journey that they were on. So Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. We're just going to read a dozen uh, verses or so. Basically, this is what it says. During the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth. It was a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. Now, you need to understand the context of this God did not speak to his people for 400 years at this point. The end of the Old Testament, when, 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 the, when that was finished, that era, God was silent for 400 years to his people. So this is the first time that they're hearing from God as he's announcing the coming of the Messiah. Can you imagine the excitement that Mary would have had? I'm the, like, realizing that I'm the first one in 400 years that's hearing from God. So it says, but the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. Oh, what a surprise it was. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. And he will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. 
Mary said, well, how can this happen? I'm still a virgin. And Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you as almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. And this is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. (coughs) And what's more, your aged aunt, which basically means old. How many are old in here? Elizabeth has become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary responded, saying, This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Wow. In the midst of Joseph and Mary's dreams being delayed, and their hopes dashed, they are about to embark on a very difficult, unwanted journey. And behind the scenes, we have the privilege of seeing the panoramic view of the story, and we know that God was truly working on a plan to redeem the entire world through them. I wonder at times when you are going through a difficult time, if you could step back and have a panoramic view from God's view of your situation, if you wouldn't see that he's working on a far bigger purpose than what you can see right in front of you, wouldn't it change your perspective? Wouldn't it change your discouragement, maybe to encouragement? If you knew that, man, almighty God is working through my pain, my momentary pain for a permanent solution to something. See, that's the beauty of following God, because nothing is wasted. Nothing. Now, if if we're going to get along today, you're going to have to work with me a little bit today, okay? All right? I don't want to be an angry preacher, Scott Schneider. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I don't know why you said that. had nothing to do with anything. I just was picking on you, Scott. You just looked good to pick on And right behind you is Ryan. I might go after him after that. I don't know. So God forces every circumstance, including at that time the Roman government oppressing the Jewish people. God uses every circumstance to serve his purposes. This was not a journey that Mary wanted to take. She didn't ask for it. She was asked to do it. This was not what she imagined her life would be like. And it wouldn't be the last of uh, Mary's unwanted journeys in life. In fact, um, we know that shortly after Jesus' birth, we talked about this last week, Herod tried to murder the baby, and they had to pick up and leave for Egypt to keep the baby safe. And they had to live in Egypt as refugees for a season. Can you imagine walking away from your business? What if God said to you, grab your family and flee to New Jersey? No, he wouldn't say that. Uh, flee somewhere else. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm joking. We love New Jersey. But what if God said, flee somewhere else, and, and you just walked away from all your business contacts and all of your career and all of all. Can you imagine that, what God asked them to do? And we mentioned last week where I, I really believe with all my heart, that's why God, in his foreknowledge, allowed the wise men and the magi to come and present gold to them because I think that's what they lived on while they were in Egypt because Joseph couldn't work. We know that 33 years later, 
there would be another journey that Mary would take, and that one would be when she is watching her son walk the Via Dolorosa, the, the, the road to Calvary as she watched her son beaten and, and, and carry the cross all the way to the top of that hill. Every one of us here today has taken unwanted journeys. Life will have its moments of disappointment. In times, there's going to be overwhelming pain and sorrow. But God not only walks with us when we're on these journeys, but he redeems them and brings good from them. Romans says that that all things work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. God can take your worst situation and turn that thing around for his purpose. And I can walk through anything if I know there's purpose in it. I'm not just going to go to the dermatologist and have him inflict pain on me because it's the right thing to do. But if I know that there's something that could cause cancer, that momentary pain is worth it because there's purpose in it. The Bible is filled with stories of unwanted journeys that people took. That's what I love about the Bible. A lot of people get freaked out about the Bible. They think, oh, it's just so holy, I could never relate to it or connect with it. Uh, It's the opposite of that. The story is filled with a bunch of messed up people. You think you've done some stuff? Read the Bible. It'll bring you hope. And I think that's why God included all that, to let you know that you're not alone and that Apart from God, all of us are in the same boat. I think of Jacob's son, Joseph, the other Joseph, who was sold as a slave by his brothers, thrown into a pit, wound up in Egypt, falsely accused of attempted rape, did some time in prison. What a story. But we know that that was not the end of his story. God redeemed it. We, we know David fled from King Saul, who was in a jealous rage, wanting to murder him for no reason. And David, all his life, only did the right thing. He's fleeing and living in caves. And then you know the story of David and Goliath, right, where he killed the Philistine with the stone. David ends up going and living with the Philistines for a few years to keep away from Saul. Imagine how awkward that would be. And in the midst of that season of being pursued and living in caves and not trusting anyone... He writes some of the most beautiful psalms that you and I read today. And he would ask questions in those psalms like, God, why do you allow my enemies to prosper? When are you going to save me? He didn't want to be on that journey. But we know that wasn't the end of his story either. And then I think about those three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that would not bow to the king's order to worship the false god. And they, they had a furnace that was just cranking. In fact, it was so hot that the guards that were at the mouth of the furnace were even burned to death. It was so hot. Can you imagine the stark terror that they would have experienced knowing that they were going to be thrown into that thing and they could have bowed at any moment? I mean, a lot of us would have just said, okay, time out. I'll bow. I'm good. I'm go- I'll bow. They didn't. Because there was a matter of principle, and they said, we're not going to bow to any other god but our god. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar threw them into that furnace. And I love that story where, in, in a matter of moments, he says, didn't we throw three young men in there? 
there's four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of Man. And they're walking around, and they're laughing and joking and high-fiving each other. And they come out, and they don't even smell like smoke. See, that, that fiery furnace was not the end of their story either. And I think of the people of Judah that were taken captive by the Babylonians and had to, to serve 50 years in exile in a, in, a, in a foreign land, a land filled with idols and false gods. That was not the end of their story. And of course, the child that would be born in a manger, in a stable, in a feeding trough, in Bethlehem, would one day walk to the top of the hill at Calvary and give his life for our sins. That for sure wasn't the end of his story, was it? All of us take unwanted journeys, and God wants you to know that he always walks with you on these He works through them, He redeems them, and these journeys will never be the end of your story. We're able to see things that Mary couldn't see in this story as she entered that stable that night. We have the benefit of the panoramic view. We have the benefit of seeing everything that was going on around her. She didn't. She was walking through life like you and I do. We can only see what's behind us. We can't see what's in front of us. We can't hardly see what's around us when we're in it. She couldn't hear the angels singing. She couldn't see the shepherds running to the stable. She she couldn't know that the magi and the wise men were coming to bring gifts and homage to their new little king. And she certainly couldn't see the fact that you and I, 2,000 years later, would be reading her story and marveling over her act of courage. She couldn't see that. I wonder if God tarries. I wonder who will be reading your story in the future and marveling over your faith and how you overcome, overcame difficulties and per- persevered through life and served God and ra- raised godly children. I wonder who will be reading about you and I 200 years from now if God tarries. Yesterday, a German evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke, who was, who was one millions of people all over, the wor- all over the world, went to be with the Lord. They're going to be reading about his story for centuries to come. Man, if I go out, don't you want, don't you want to go out that way? Where people are like, you know, they meet my great-great-great-great-grandchildren and say, what's your story? Well, way back in the day, my great-great-great-great-grandfather gave his heart to Jesus. And it went, Don't you want to be part of the story? In the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Zechariah, and he spoke to his people of, of that day who were discouraged because of the hard journey that they'd been on. They were ready to give up hope. But he reminded them that one day... God would send a king who would deliver his people. And then, then he called God's people of that day something very interesting. You, you can almost read past it. Just two little sentences he wrote. But he called them prisoners of hope. L- listen to this in Zechariah 9, verse 11. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. He was talking to them, but he was talking to them from a perspective of faith. And he was saying, 
You are a prisoner of hope. We are all called to be prisoners of hope, to be captured by hope, to be bound by it, to, to be unable to let it go. But hope is a decision that we have to make, a choice to believe that God can take the adversity in my life, the disappointment in my life, the heartache in my life, the pain of my journey, and use all of that to accomplish his eternal purpose. Man, how many choose today to be prisoners of hope? Come on, yeah. That's the only way to fly. Ephesians 3.20, I want to read you a verse here, and I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. I have been getting a, just a, a kick out of reading this. I, I love the wording, and it just takes the Scriptures and just opens them up in my mind. And, and so just, just maybe, maybe close your eyes if you really need to hear from God. Just, I, I want to just read you some words, and they're just going to go over you just like a, like a precious anointing oil over your soul and over your heart. If you need that today, just close your eyes. Don't be distracted even by reading. Just say, God, I need to hear from you. Listen to this. This is God's word. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's God's word for someone in here today. God is by your side. He has never left you. He says, I will never forsake you. He never promised you that you would live a trouble-free life. No, 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 no. But he did promise you that when you're walking through stuff, that he will be right with you. Invite God to use your disappointments to accomplish his great purposes. See, that's a choice. The book of James chapter 1 says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as you endure, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. Wait a minute, that's, that's going through issues. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. Now, I love this next part. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in this condition? I'm going to skip ahead just to verse 12. If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. 
True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. As our band comes back, I want to just share. It's one thing to talk about these things and unwanted journeys, but I want to share with you a real journey. And some of you that have been part of our church for many years would remember um, a couple that Kim and I introduced you to about 15, 16 years ago. Um, And they were missionaries to Africa. And their names were Gene and Phyllis Grams. Gene Grams would come. They would they came every year to do a mission service. They would talk about their exploits in Africa. They served for 60 years in Africa. And um, about 10 years ago, uh, Phyllis was diagnosed with um, the onset of Alzheimer's, and she was quite advanced. And I remember the last couple times they, they stayed in our home when they were here. Um, they would just sit around the table, and Jean would cry. Jean... Gene was, um, in the early 80s, started a university in South Africa in Cape Town called Cape, Cape College of Theology. And it was during the years of the apartheid and all of that was going on. And Gene had a vision to have a university where every student of every color could be a part of it. And he was facing tremendous opposition from government and from all walks of life because he wanted to have a mixed race University, and and as he did that in faith, God blessed it, and it was a model for the entire nation of South Africa to see that you know God was doing something, and He was crossing racial barriers, and it was it's an awesome story. In fact, one of the things that he would share when he was here, he'd share it every year. God had His hand on Gene so much that Gene some people in the government put a hit out on him. They wanted to take him out. And, and he, was, he was at the courthouse at a very pivotal meeting with the government. And uh, it came out later that as he was leaving the courthouse and walking down the steps that the shooter was waiting across the street with the scope of the rifle pointed at Gene's chest as he left the building. But he couldn't get a shot because of the massive group of bodyguards and soldiers that he had around him, hundreds. When Gene heard the story, he laughed because that day when he left the courthouse, he left that courthouse by himself. But God had sent his army to surround him and protected him. Isn't that crazy? But when Alzheimer's started and they were getting older, Gene would weep because his heart was back in Africa. And after I read this, you'll, you'll totally get why. When they were first there in the 50s, they were just a young couple, newly married. They had no money. And they became pregnant with their first child, and they were excited about it. And this is an unwanted journey that I'm about to read to you. His son... Roland Grahams actually wrote a book about their life journey in Africa. I think there might be a copy or two left in the back. I'm not sure. One more copy. First come, first serve. Don't do a Black Friday, Friday Walmart thing back here now. Don't do it. But there's one copy. Someone's ready to. And I'll give you my copy. If, you, if, if, if someone grabs that, I'll give you my copy for $89. So 
I want to read to you what happened to this young couple. <clears throat> Faith Dawn Grams was born at five and a half months on the 6th of October, 1952. Phyllis's doctor could not be found when the birth began. The nurse at the nursing home in Petersburg, where many mothers went to have their babies, said that a doctor needed to be present during the birth. So she tried to keep the baby from being born rather than assisting appropriately. When the baby was born, it was clear that her head had been damaged, most likely because of the nurse's intervention. The nurse then put little Faith aside and told Phyllis and Jean that the baby was dead. Jean went to look at his little girl and discovered that she was indeed alive, but he could see that she'd been, her head had been severely damaged. He called for a blanket for his daughter, and the nurse obliged. Faith lived about two hours before dying. There was no money for a coffin, and so she was buried privately in a small box in her grandparents' back garden. The birth had damaged Phyllis to the extent that her doctor told her that she would never be able to have children again. As Phyllis and Jean struggled with their sorrow, they faced a new challenge. The Grams needed 12 pounds and 12 shillings to have Phyllis released from the nursing home, and they did not have the money. So Phyllis remained in the nursing home for a week while Jean asked around for a loan. The manager of their bank refused his request, and eventually a man by the name of Albert Luton agreed to loan him the money. It took the couple six months to pay it off. The loss of a child, the first child, the only child, who but those who have experienced this pain can understand it. It tears at the heart and leaves an ache that can still be felt a half century later. It leaves a feeling of emptiness that lurks in the shadows of joyful occasions and pounces in times of loneliness or weakness. It is a constant reminder that life is neither safe nor fair. But for the believer, such pain is not without hope. And Jean and Phyllis would, from time to time, find themselves eager to be reunited with their little Faith Dawn in the resurrection life to come. That is why they named her Faith Dawn. They had faith in God that they would see their daughter again at the dawning of a new age when Christ would come, the trumpet would sound, and the dead in Christ would be raised among, along with those that have put their faith in him. To see one's child's life slip away is a suffering that can neither... Uh, can either leave one ruined, unstable to stay the course in life and without hope, or despite the pain, it can produce an endurance, a constancy in life that develops character and hope. He and Phyllis together now faced this agony with a trust in God that enabled them to continue in ministry. And for 60 years, they did just that. When he was at our table the last time, he wept and he said, my daughter is still in Africa, buried there. I want to return and do ministry. Jean went home to be with the Lord about a year ago. What is it that gives someone the strength to go on after that? I believe they had the same faith like Mary did. Mary said when, the, when Gabriel confronted her, Mary said, I accept whatever he has for me. She was open-minded to the journey. Could we stand? And I'm going to end this a little bit differently than I do normally. But 
my heart it aches for people that are hurting and and uh maybe you're here today and you've been on an unwanted journey and you've been through some stuff there's been heartache there's been pain and you've just it's been hard for you to bounce back it's been hard for you to walk with a hope it's just it's knocked you off your your balance. You've knocked you. You're 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 knocked off your. I don't know. I just messed that up. You're just knocked off. You can't. Your equilibrium is all messed up because you've just been through some stuff. I just forget what I just said. <laughs> but if you're here today and that's you and you're like, man, Pastor, I. I really need, to be a prisoner of hope today. I. I need the hope of God. I need God to intervene in my life. I, even the song that the worship team picked out, Waymaker, had nothing to do with my sermon, but it fits perfectly with it. That, that Lord, I just need you today to help me to get back on track, to, to walk with hope, to walk with joy, to walk with overwhelming peace. Lord, I need your touch today. If there's anyone here today, I just want you to raise your hand and leave it up. I want to pray for you. I'm just going to just leave it up, man. I just been, I've been hit hard, and I just need God to touch me. Father, I just want to thank you today, God, for these awesome people, God, that had the guts today just to say, God, I need help. I need help walking this journey. Lord, I just pray that you would heal their hearts. But God, I pray that you would give them a glimpse that you're working in the unseen, that what you are doing is so much bigger than what they could ever perceive or imagine, that you are 10 steps ahead of them, making the way straight for them. You're closing doors that they might want open, but once they were open, they would never want to go there again. You're closing doors and, and, and guiding them and leading them to go the path that you've called them to, God, because your purposes are at stake. Father, I just pray for encouragement. I pray for new vision. I pray for a sense of peace that goes beyond all understanding. And God, I just pray that you would just cradle every one of these awesome people in your arms today, God, and let them know that you are not going to let them go. You're not going to turn away. Your gaze is going to be fixed on them, God, and that you are indeed going before them. God, give us open minds like Mary to the journey ahead. In the mighty name of Christ, we pray. And everyone said... Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.